0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 149, yes, 149 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Atnip, here in the studio with the Red Wing man himself, James Cook, and Mr. Stripe Polo, Andrew Rosenthal. How you doing, fellas? Doing alright. I'll tell you.
1: I'm wearing my comfy shirt today, because there's, you know, I don't have to go anywhere and cover anything, so I'm wearing... My comfy red
2: wings.
0: I'm not trying to you call know, you. Out. You know
2: the feeling when you have a bad dryer and you just put stuff in the wash, or you just put stuff in there and you hope it's dry by the morning. Is that how yours is? Yeah. I put it overnight, hope it was dry in the morning and it was. That's
0: where you that's why you wear stripes which are nice visually. They're distracting. They're not gonna see the wrinkles.
2: But here's the thing, Jake, is if it wasn't dry, you would have been seeing like some I I would have just shown have in like some rinky dink sweats. Because that's all I had clean.
0: I want to talk about another wrinkle in the space-time continuum real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but in case nobody realized, today is November 9th, and it was 78 degrees outside. We should be golfing right now. I did this morning.
2: No, I hate you.
0: 78 degrees. I shot a 93 at Elmbrook with Blake. Did well. I didn't have a shot at Eagle today like I did last week, but November 9th. I don't know what's going on. I think it's global warming. So
2: we didn't Blake do a broadcast in the morning to say it was good golfing weather and then leave it, and then actually he did. go golfing Yes, He said I'm
0: gonna hit him dead straight on the fairway and then he left and then he went and had him good on the fairway. <laughs> Swear to god, first drive for Blake Hansen was like uh, a solid two fifty on that whole first hole, you know there's that like cut out on Elmbrook on hole one on the left hand side. Went over the over the swamp into the fairway, fifty yards of the hole. I mean he still messed it up and got a bogey. But uh, nonetheless, it was great to go off with him on November 9th. But I, I just know that he's so much more famous than any of us here at the Get Around because I went in there. I walked in like three minutes before, not even three minutes, 30 seconds before him and talked to the lady. And she goes, oh, yeah, like who's this for? And I'm like, oh, it's for Jake Atnip, You know, and she doesn't say nothing. She's like, oh, how many you got? And, like, I ended up booking it for a couple more just in case anybody was going to show up. And like, eh, just for two of us. Oh, okay. And she goes, oh, well. And then Blake walks in. And she goes, oh. Ah! <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to show up. You said you were going to golf this morning. The only place you'd go is here, the Crown or the Wolverine or Interlocking. So you had like a 33% chance. I was like, well, yeah. And then she goes, well, what do you do at the TV station? And I'm like, nothing. I'm a sports writer at the you'll record. You here Eagle. once in a while. I'm yeah. There. I'm like, I'm married a couple weeks. But uh, nonetheless, I, I aspire to be as famous as Blake Hansen. Hopefully this podcast will get us there. But probably not unless I'm doing the weather every morning at 6 (laughs) a.m. Nonetheless, welcome to 149. We have a great episode for you guys today. We got to kind of get moving because we have a fantastic interview with Traverse City West senior defender and soccer player and kicker and many other things, Finn Durbin. He came and talked to us this week about his soccer season and his time with the football team. It was a really cool perspective to hear about a dual-sport athlete, especially during this time of coronavirus, so make sure you stick around for that. We're going to get into another rendition of the Hall of Fame, which we have not one, not two, but three new members of the Get Around Hall of Fame. We kind of have a rule here at the Get Around. You'll hear about it a bit later, and we're going to dive into a trifecta well after our chatter that matters that Andrew came up with today to see where, if we were going to make like the biggest announcement in our lives, where would our you know press conference be we'll kind of talk more about where that came from later
2: but it's a fun one <laughs> so make
0: sure you stick around
2: we, we we promise to not talk about the election until except that, for that except for that
0: probably except for that so uh, this episode sponsored by jimmy johns with two locations in traverse city jimmy johns is freaks about fresh meat bread and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all freaky fresh freaky fast jimmy johns freak yeah we got to put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world get to the pulse really quickly gentlemen big weekend in soccer I want to lead with this just because we had Finn on for the episode, and I was there. I kind of, like, followed Traverse City West through the run over the last few weeks all the way back to the state title, their second year in a row. Big year for Traverse City West. They set a school record for wins in a season with 22. Coach Matt Grissinger got his 100th win just a couple of uh, games ago in only six seasons, which for high school soccer... Getting 20 wins in a year is, like, nutso for most teams. Mm -hmm. In six seasons, you're talking about averaging somewhere between 16 and 17 wins a season. That's pretty good. Uh, So, Coach Grissinger starting a great program there at Travis City West and then making another run to the state finals but falling to Detroit Catholic Central. I feel like I'm just going to end up talking here for a minute because I was the guy who was there, and I'm already introducing it. But here goes
1: nothing. But in overtime, again. Yeah. They lost both uh, of them in overtime. Which is, oh,
0: man, how painful, right? How painful. Division One soccer finals, both in overtime. You can't get beat any closer, any harder. You can't fight any further. Can't play any longer. Right. 100 Nobody minutes, played any
1: longer than you this season.
0: 100 minutes of soccer there at the end of the year where they fall to Detroit Catholic Central 2-1. to one. Both, or all three goals, actually, come by way of PK. Fouls and handballs in the box. It's kind of disappointing to see the game come down to that. I thought Neither team could beat each other. It was like, try and get a shot on goal. The defenses were so good. We talked to Finn later, who was a great part of that Traverse City West defense, who only allowed about 13 goals this season with the, the you know the Detroit Catholic Central defense. I swear, for the first 20 minutes of the game, Traverse City West barely got the ball past their back line. Even into their back line, they were always there. It took like 18 minutes before Traverse City West got a shot on goal. And they didn't get many chances, except for Colin Blackport getting a... PK and getting fouled in the box, much like last year. He had a PK goal in the finals, and he sunk it nice. I mean, I wouldn't say it was nice and easy. He ended up almost face-planting on the ground. I took a couple of great photos. I thought about making a gif sequence out of it because he ended up taking a kick, and then he ended up literally laying face down on the ground by the time he was done with it. But tying it with six minutes left, and then they go into overtime, and with 19 or 20 seconds left in the first overtime Travis City West got called for a foul inside the box and set up Detroit Catholic Central for a penalty shot. The same guy who made the first one, and he drove it home in, I think, pretty much the same spot. And it was just so hard to watch that be the deciding factor because, you know, when you go into the second overtime, not even 10 seconds later, Detroit Catholic Central's not trying to score a goal again. They were just trying to make sure that the Travis City West Titans had no chance at winning that game.
1: That's why I think they should go back to golden goal.
0: I think goal and goal would be good.
1: Yeah. I mean they can make it so so you still play if you play the two 10-minute overtimes then you go to a PK. You know, that's fine cuz you don't want games that are just marathons and last forever. But I think if you score a goal in the overtime, game should be over.
0: I I do not disagree.
1: Cuz the cuz the rest of the overtime just becomes one team packing it in, which is not fun soccer to watch.
0: <laughs> I mean it just wasn't fun to watch because general, I did. it can be, I guess. I don't know. I just I, I you 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 hear a little bit of frustration from Finn later. I just think it's hard for a state championship game to be decided off of penalties. It's so hard to me.
1: Yeah. Well, and even at the game the Elk Rapids game that I was at when when they lost in penalty kicks, the coach from the other team was like first thing he said was he's like he's like I I don't you know, I hate that games like this end in in penalty kicks and and stuff. We've lost this way too and it and it really stinks and and everything. But I mean, I get, I, I get why they do them because you don't. These teams are going to be evenly matched, hopefully. And like you said, with West and Detroit Catholic Central, they could have probably pretty much kept playing.
0: I wouldn't doubt it at all. <laughs> For as a long, long time. Wanted
2: to.
1: <laughs> For a
0: long time. Which, once again, I'll leave it at this about soccer. And I think I said this too. I mean, Andrew, you're you're a soccer fan, I think, more than me or James. Yeah. A lot of soccer fans hate PKs. A lot of soccer coaches or players hate PKs. A lot of soccer goalies, goalies especially hate. hate PKs.
2: Well, the thing is, like, they can't in high school, especially you know, in 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 pros and college, they have scouting reports on which way these guys go or how what their PK trends are. They don't they don't care about that for high school because it rarely even happens.
0: Even when it does, everybody gets so mad that I mean, that's like, how it comes down to. I was just gonna say, hot take. My favorite part of soccer, PK shootout. <laughs>
1: It is exciting. It's exciting for the fans.
0: I think for the not, I, I think it's, a, that's the thing is that I think it's exciting for non-soccer fans who are there to be fans, but the people mm-hmm. who really like soccer are like, pff, pff, this is the worst thing ever. Nah.
2: Because the, the thing <laughs> is to save a PK, at least from a goaltender's perspective, they have to know ahead of time which way the guy's going to go, what he's going to do with the shot. You, you, you It's pretty much a 50-50 chance. You pick one way. If it's the way he goes, you save it.
0: And, you know, even then, it's it's kind of like a 25% chance. Yeah, it's like if you pick the right way, you got a 50-50 shot of saving it. If you pick the wrong way, it's like a 25, I would say.
1: Yeah, if you pick the wrong way, you're just depending on the guy missing the frame. Yeah. Which doesn't happen a whole lot.
2: I think there was a famous game, I think it was an MLS championship, where uh, Tamelia for Sporting Kansas City had a – no, it was a guy from Atlanta? Atlanta? Yeah. He had a notebook by the side of his uh, goal. Like by the side of his net, and it had like notes and like the PK tendencies of each of the players, and there were people like in the stands putting up signs like, oh, like what, just to throw them off, like what this guy's trends was.
0: Oh, that'd be fun. Now I just want to ask this much. We kind of talk about it with Finn, so make sure you stick around for that interview later. But we haven't seen something like this out of a Division One team in almost any sport up here in Northern Michigan, in my opinion. For I crying out,
2: I, out loud, they're ranked 15th in the nation. I, I haven't been,
0: James. Outside I'm,
2: of, I'm, like, skiing, yeah.
0: Exactly. I'm throwing this, except for, as bad as it sounds, except for sports that we're probably expected to do better at. You've been here a lot longer. You've been around the northern Michigan sports scene for 20 years, at the very least now. Mm-hmm. What does back-to-back Division One state finals appearances say about the quality of a program in northern Michigan?
1: It says a lot. I mean, you've got, you've had, you know, Leland and Elk Rapids and, and those schools that have made long runs and gotten to the finals semifinals multiple times and everything and there's no taking away from them but it's division one it just doesn't happen all that up often so when it does happen back-to-back years and then they also won a state title back in the 2000s with jason carmine coaching the team and former you know future mls player casey townsend on that team other than that it just doesn't happen up here so it, i mean it is a a big special thing and you don't see it happen in other sports either. I mean, you know, Traverse City Central, Traverse City West haven't been in the football finals or semifinals. You get the hockey team, you know, they get some pretty good runs. They get to the final four between the three of them. Usually one of them makes a run to the final four. But other than that, it's just it's skiing, skiing cross country. So I mean, you get something like this. It's a it's a big deal.
0: It's weird because we always talk about and we talk about it with Finn, too, just like putting in northern Michigan on the map. And it's it's Becoming more and more apparent to me as a sports writer from northern Michigan that we're already there this only Added to the, the exclamation point or you know the continuation of that they Like you mentioned they were in the final four for hockey two years ago three years ago baseball our, our bigger schools have been knocking on the door for a few years you know, uh, a lot of our smaller West, schools. West to
1: get one trip to the Final Four in baseball a couple of years ago. They've been doing it.
0: But you, you talk about Leland and soccer.
1: But it's so hard to do it consistently in that division. That's
0: what I was going to say is that I think that, especially with Matt Grissinger starting the program that he has and doing what he's done so far, they are what you can consider a state powerhouse now. Mm-hmm. The last team to do what they just did was East Kentwood in 2007 and 2008. Which was the years following Traverse City West winning the state title in 2006, which basically means that they were the next best team in the state, or maybe even the best team in the state. The following years, Traverse City West just did what they did, and it hasn't happened in almost you know 12, 15 years. This is a big deal. I think I might have understated it in my stories, and even across the run, this was a bigger deal than I think anybody made of it.
1: Yeah, I think I think it was when on the on the podcast it was a couple of years ago when when Leland won their state title and. You know, Brendan asked me, you know, what's a bigger deal? I think it was this or somebody that won a volleyball title that year. And I said, well, I think it's Leland soccer. And he was surprised that I took the boys' team over the girls' team and everything. I said, because this, I think it was Leland's girls' volleyball team. And I said, I think I think it's a bigger thing because this puts Leland soccer on the map. Leland volleyball was already on the map. Mm-hmm. So this just continues a thing for for volleyball. But for soccer it put them on the map and we've seen that in the next couple of years they've continued to be a very good program.
0: It makes a big difference. On one hand, you could name two hands you can name the, the premier soccer programs in division one, division two. I think that Trevor City West has put themselves in that discussion, if not put themselves right there on that list for sure, and that's something to be commendable. Let's keep going in the pulse. I want to talk about some football from this past weekend. Andrew. Mm-hmm. You were at a stellar game. Yeah, we kind of, Jesus, we kind of, we kind of brought this up last week on the podcast about something we had to watch out for, but Boyne City defeats Glen Lake in overtime. Can you kind of describe the madness that happened towards the end of that game, especially leading into overtime, and then how that played out in the final minutes?
2: Back and forth all game. I mean, neither team could finish a drive after a first quarter. All defense. Both teams were with a new quarterback, City Alex with Alex Calcaterra, Glenn Lang with John Pop, uh, filling in for Connor Chowick. Dude was the quarterback for, for Nate Sneed in middle school. And dude just balled out starting that second quarter. I mean, throwing for 330 yards. You, you, were see, you were seeing guys like Jackson Chowick, Ethan Stefke, just making NFL caliber catches in the end zone, catches to get to the end zone. But then you have a guy called Bobby Hoth. Will no, literally no, I, run oh. the ball down your throat every single play of the game. I'm talking like Dalvin Cook style, where you hand the ball off to him, he goes. Their team averaged 9.4 yards per carry.
0: Pretty sure that's exactly what the Vikings averaged against the Lions this weekend.
2: <laughs> I think. Wait, no, 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 yeah. Probably. And,
1: and he's like a short, stocky, bowling ball running back, right? Dude, yeah, like, yeah.
0: I swear to God, and this is what I love. I love this, and I know this is exactly how Bobby looks. The bigger the shoulder pads on the shorter of the kid, the better the runner he's going to be. Just
2: stock him up,
0: make him wide, and let him lower the shoulder. Bobby does a good
2: job. I mean, Dave Stunnell, he's like, yeah, that guy is amazing. You knew the ball was going to him every single play of the game. I didn't even have to worry about tallying stats or, like, writing in my, in my drive chart who was getting the ball. I just knew it was Bobby Hoth. He probably had – I didn't get the official number. 41 attempts between their rushing crew for 249 rushing yards. Due to math, that's six yards per carry. That's nuts. I mean, and the dude adds 90 yards on special teams, 270 all-purpose yards. Caden Jewett and Aiden, Aaron Best don't want to talk them down. They both had insane games on the ground. I mean, this was literally an NFL battle with how with the kind of stats these guys were putting up. And not to talk down the defenses, too. It was 22 at the end of the at the end at the end of the game on fourth quarter drives that were decided by a field goal that doinked and a field That's goal not. that was blocked.
1: And then a fake field
2: goal. And then a fake field goal at the end of the game that was kind of just a blown up play in overtime. Yeah, to t- So it wasn't a designed fake? It was. It, it was it was a design fake. I was looking for Brody Allen in the end zone. On video he looked a little more open than it seemed like, but I'm mean, like if I'm looking at John Pop, I'm like, okay, if I see a guy's covering him, that's not really a for sure throw. I'm mean, gonna try and run it in the end zone if I can. But and he fell short. He fell short.
0: We we saw Glenn Lake make that awesome run to the state finals last year, but a new coach having to deal with a backup quarterback and a first start against a team that you've already played once and beat once this season. It's always hard to beat a team twice. So congratulations to Boyne Cities and the Ramblers moving on, getting over to that district title game. Uh next week that's going to be an interesting one. They're going to be playing Grayling.
2: Which by the way, though yet gets announced mid game, everyone in the stadium's cheering for Grayling.
0: Well after they took down Manistee, I'm sure Grayling has been on a roll the last few games. But uh Boyne City nonetheless, I mean, these are two of our area teams. I'm looking at Boyne City to win a district title, even continue possibly on even further. They've been playing some very tough, very hard-nosed games all season. So watch out for the Ramblers. Two more games I want to talk about, fellas. This week we have Sutton's Bay versus St. Mary coming up for the regional final rematch from last season, which was decided by only six points after you know a very close game earlier last season. These two eight-man teams, both in the same division, which we didn't think they were going to be to start, getting to meet in that regional final Explosive offenses, good defenses, what I would consider our Northern Michigan powerhouses in eight man football. How much more exciting does it get for an eight man matchup in a regional final for us this weekend?
2: I mean, hasn't yeah. that game already happened before a couple times? Last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: they played the year before. I mean, it's always been good games. I mean, uh, I think Doug Perryard's going to have to have uh, spare light bulbs ready for the scoreboard there because, uh, man, those teams can both pile up the points quick.
2: Or eighty six fifty four game. We didn't talk about that last week. Yeah, it? against
0: Central Lake, they had in the first half. But I mean, they. I mean, Caleb St. Mary put up forty four points against what I saw to be a very good music defense last week. S- Suttons Bay destroying Whittemore Prescott for the second time this season, but putting it on him put them on him even worse. These two teams. You got Sean Bramer, who's just going to be a monster for Suttons Bay. If you go over to Conrad Cordy, who. I didn't know was as much of a defensive maven as he was an offensive maven until I got to see him pick off the ball three times in that game against Misick and Gabe Parrish, who's been a great quarterback all year. Uh, By the way, just real quick before I get too deep, we've been talking about him all year on this podcast, and I didn't get the actual chance to see him this season. Shout-outs to Cole Spencer. No doubt in my mind, Cole Spencer is the best receiver we have in eight-man football in northern
1: Michigan. And probably if it wasn't for Finn Hogan. Uh I, I maybe the best receiver. He might overall. be better than Finn Hogan,
0: especially when it comes to
1: athleticism wise. Let's, let's go. Let's get him get for a game one on one.
0: I mean, in, in the
2: game against Vesterberg, literally Cole, Cole Spencer caught one on the right side and he toe tapped it and a dole for the end zone to try and score.
0: I mean, it's uh, he has I think thirteen catches for one hundred and ninety yards against Galer St Mary, and he had a ninety seven yard kickoff return for a touchdown, which he juiced six or seven kids out of his shoes waiting for the whole Gaylord St. Mary team to basically be on him at the five before he picked up the ball and started running. Like, just, I won't talk too much. I said something to him after the game. Cole Spencer, one heck of an athlete. I really hope that he, somebody else is looking at him the way that I saw him this past weekend because, man, that kid knows how to play some football. On to our next, I mean, let's, just real quick, prediction. I don't need to score Sutton's Bay or St. Mary real quick. I'm going with, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Sutton's Bay. No, actually, I'm going with St. Mary. I'm going St. Mary.
1: I think I'm going to take Suttons Bay just because they. I think they have a little better defense. Uh, both of them can score, but I mean Suttons Bay's pitched, I think, four shutouts this season. St. Mary doesn't have a single one. Uh, uh, you know, neither of them are. St. Mary's not bad defensively. Garrick's going to be so mad at me. <laughs> or anything, but you know, I, I just think that the in a shootout like this, whoever can come up and step up, play some defense, is going to make a difference.
2: You know, I would normally agree with you and take Sutton's Bay in this situation because of the defense. But when you score 86 points, I don't care who you play. They can score. I'm taking St. Mary in this one. Sutton's
0: Bay technically, technically is 2-0 in the last two games, even though they are 1-1. They lost by a point, and then they won by six. So this will be an interesting one to see this weekend. Just a couple other updates. Traverse City Central. Absolutely rolled Swartz Creek seventy what whatever to
2: whatever oh my just God. 70,
1: seventy
0: points
2: seventy to fourteen.
0: It was worse than the first round.
1: They enacted a rule that I didn't even know existed.
0: Super mercy, the super mercy rule. Which what happened?
1: Double mercy. It's if you get ahead by fifty at any point in the game, even the first half, the clock starts run starts running, and it doesn't stop for anything other than an injury. The team can call timeout. First downs, whatever. Nothing. It doesn't stop unless you get it back under fifty.
0: Man, sometimes I wish that would happen a little bit more often. So, so that uh.
1: started in the second quarter, in that Yeesh. game. <laughs> Big oof, Lord. Well, gonna... the, the Trojans are looking good in Division Two. I was watching that, and and, and Sports Creek was like they came in at five and two, so it's not like they were playing a team that was one and six or something. Holy crap, they were just oof. toying with them. It was, I was watching that game on NFHS while I was taking calls and stuff, and it was just, holy crap. I, I couldn't keep up. I couldn't keep updating stuff on Twitter fast enough. They were scoring touchdowns too fast between looking at other stuff and checking on Twitter and taking phone calls and this and that.
2: Been can, there for they, that. can they do that against Midland? The Chemex. 8-0. No. It's going to be they tough. Won't score 70 against Midland. God, no,
0: but they're on a good enough but roll. They, can, they got some momentum.
1: Yeah. I, I, I I totally would not be surprised at all if Central goes there and beats Midland.
0: When you talk about – and this this we're, we're going to leave the pulse here. This is going to be it for the day. But when you talk about Josh Burnham, Austin Bills, Carson Hall, and Carson Bordeaux, as basically your four skill guys with the ball in their hands and your four skill guys on defense who are flying around the field, I think you have a good shot at a district title.
1: Yeah, and then Carson Briggs mauling people in the middle. What, at 276? Th- the, three, the three Carsons.
0: Yeah, the, at 276 that segment sponsored by jimmy johns with two locations in traverse city order a tasty sandwich today with the jimmy johns app we are going to dive in with our interview with finn durbin the traverse city west senior defender on the soccer team and the kicker on the football team he gave us an insight on both of those squads let's go ahead and get a listen to that now The Get Around podcast is extremely excited to welcome in Traverse City West senior soccer and football player, Finn Durbin. Thank you so much for joining the Get Around today, Finn.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we are excited to have you on. Obviously, you went through a great run with the Traverse City West soccer team uh, just this past weekend. I know I talked to you after that state finals loss, but nonetheless, another great run with that soccer team. We know that the football team also fell this weekend, so kind of two seasons ending for you. We figured it would be a good chance to have you in and chat with you about both, so thank you so much for being here. Before we get into those seasons, we always like to dive into the Freaky Fast Five. A nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's with five rapid-fire questions in which we get to know Finn a little bit. So what is your favorite dinner?
3: My favorite dinner is
0: chicken and waffles. Is there like a particular place that you've gotten that out of family recipe, or is it just like you can get chicken and waffles anywhere?
3: No, it's, yeah, basically wherever I can get it. I'd say it's it's always pretty good.
2: All right, whose side are you on, Tom or Jerry? I'm going to have to go with Jerry. The mouse.
3: Yeah. Yeah, the mouse.
2: So you don't want, you don't want to catch mice. You want to be the mouse
0: yeah yeah i mean
2: jerry is, is the guy who gets to have the most of the fun yeah sure i i did laugh at most of jerry jokes what uh current
1: act that's that's a big big in music right now do you think 20 years from now people will look on and uh and be like what were we thinking
3: i'd have to say uh the song you, you know the song old town road yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'd, I'd have to say yo uh, We'll uh, we'll look back on that in a while and just you know even now I just look at it and I'm <laughs> right. kind of confused by it, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? It's like little Nas so, uh, and Billy I Ray think, Cyrus, okay?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think looking back, especially in 20 years or so, everyone's gonna be you know a little confused on, on Man, what's I, going on there.
0: I'm almost positive that that song like broke like the number one like longest time on yeah. the number one <laughs> chart record or something like that. They broke some record that should not have been
2: broken by
0: yeah. Old Town
3: Road. It's, exactly.
2: If you have a TikTok, do you have a favorite TikTok trend?
3: You know, I I don't really watch TikTok all that much, um, but when I do, there's a trend where uh or someone else or you film everything that you eat in a day and uh, I always like watching those because you know I also eat a, a lot of food in the day and it's kind of kind of cool to see what other people are eating.
0: I mean we're we're going to follow up. Yeah. I I think we're going to get a couple more in here but I'm going to follow up on that question. You said you eat a lot of food in a day. Are you like yeah. a three meal a day 1500 calorie per meal person or are you like a five meal a day 1000 calorie per meal? What well, what's the diet like for you? Um
3: so it's you know I'd say it's it varies in the days. It's a little harder in school because, so I'd say it's more like a, like a, a three meal per day, because I can't really eat in class. But typically, uh, yeah, I'd say uh, three to five meals a day. You know, I, I typically eat around five and a half to six and a half thousand calories Lordy. a day. Yeah.
0: Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, yeah. I got, I got a good one here. We ca- we kind of talked about time and Jerry earlier. So I want to go back to you being a kid at heart. Hopefully, what's your favorite childhood cartoon and why? Oh, you know, I'd have to say Arthur. I don't, I don't. You know, I don't
3: understand why, uh, as a kid, I liked that one more than others. But I just,
0: I just really liked Arthur. Yeah, that was one of those. Yeah. Long, that was one of those long-running ones that was always there. I think that might have been. the Yeah. Thing. There's there's cartoon shows I had, that came and went as killed children, but Arthur was always there. Uh-huh. Like, and I
3: think that's part of the reason,
0: yeah. So we have a <laughs> lot more to talk about with Finn here. Let's dive into the rest of our interview. Uh, obviously, it's been a long year for you getting started kind of when you needed to. You got one sport that you got to start get started with, one sport you had to wait on. Uh, one sport you run all the way to the end with and one sport that got kind of cut short early. So we're going to talk about all of this. I want to talk about your state finals run with soccer first. I know I got a chance to speak with you this past weekend, but our listeners, I really want them to kind of understand what it was like for your senior class to kind of play the last three years. On varsity in Division One and make the state finals the last couple of years like you have. So, just to start off with, what has the run been like with your particular class and the you know eleven other guys that are going to be graduating from Traverse City West this year?
2: Yeah,
3: you know, for for my grade, it was it was really special, especially because coming in as freshmen, most of us knew you know that that the program was was a, it was a successful program. I mean, only one state championship, but you know, our, our seventh grade year would have been our eighth grade year. Sorry. The, uh, the team went to the regional final and, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of good players in the team and we all knew who they were. And so coming in, it was, you know, freshman year, not as much because we were on JV, but sophomore year, you know, there's, there's big expectations to, you know, carry this through. And, uh, for us, you know, eight, eight of us that were on, on varsity as sophomores, it was, uh, yeah it was it was a lot but then you know junior and senior year we had played with with all these guys you know for our whole life now on on club and uh in the year before or two years before on uh, on high school so it just it just felt comfortable you know we were all comfortable on the on the field and at practice and on the bus so we just clicked and uh that that transferred onto the field and we we ended up just just playing really well both years and and I think that's how that's how we made it to two state finals.
0: I know we kind of talked about this just after the game, but right afterwards, I know it was really sad. It was really hard to look at and kind of be like, "Hey, we did something good here." But even just a couple of days later, what is the emotion surrounding the run and how you guys performed in that final game?
3: You know, it's 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 sort of the same as last year. Like uh, I'm looking back and I've thought about it these past couple of days, and it's. It's, it's still pretty sad first that, you know, I'm, I'm done with high school soccer, but also that, uh, that we lost, um, cause obviously we wanted to win, but, uh, you know, it's, it's easier now after the game to, to look back and be like, yeah, well, that was, I mean, what we did was, was truly special going back to back, even though we lost going back to back and just, and just doing that being a team from up North, making it to the division one state finals and looking back at the game, uh, you asked, uh, I don't really know how to put this one because, you know, um, like, like Coach said, it's it's hard to play your best game in, in, in the state championship because, you know, everyone's nervous and it's a big stage and, and you're playing for something big. Um, and looking back, you know, I, I definitely don't think we did play our best game. Uh, we definitely didn't play bad. But uh, I think it was kind of unfortunate how it ended at the end with the, uh, I'd say, pretty controversial penalty call.
1: Okay. You mentioned when you were in eighth grade, look, kind of looking up to that team that was making the run in the regionals. Uh, what do you guys look back and and think about what you guys established in going back-to-back to the state championship games, back-to-back going into overtime even, that uh, that other kids are going to see and, uh, and establish that kind of culture?
3: I think that looking back, like we're in eighth grade, we're looking at a team that made it to the regional finals. And, you know, for us, we're all like, wow, like all these guys that are playing, you know, they're all so cool and all so good. And and now looking at it, what we did, you know, I I just have to imagine that you know younger kids now are are probably looking at us, thinking the same thing that that we were thinking. And it, you know, once once they get to high school, maybe their are they junior year, they'll they'll realize that you know playing for this team, there's you have uh, pretty high expectations to do well and to you know, continue on this, this legacy of the program.
0: Now, I want to talk about, before we make the transition, I want to talk about a couple of guys on your guys' soccer team. I know you've been on the back end with, for the last three years now, like you said, since you guys Mm -hmm. have been sophomores, what's it been like with that defensive pairing and being able to kind of have Blade behind you? I've talked to him a a couple times over the last few weeks and, you know, it seems like he, he and you guys have talked kind of simultaneously, but not at the same time with me about, the pride that you take in the defense that you have at Traverse City West and only allowing, I think it was something like 13 goals this entire season. Funny story with
3: Blade is uh, he wasn't a goalie until his sophomore year in high school. Before that, you know, he played on the field. So his first varsity game as, as goalie was when we were juniors. Um, and, you know, he made, he was all state uh, honorable mention, I think in his second year as goalie. And so it, it was cool to, to play with him especially because he was learning from me and all the while i was still learning from him even though you know he was still new to this and uh you know blade's just blade's just just such a cool guy that it's, it's easy to get along with him and i'm able to listen to him and what he has to say on the field and off the field and we're able to help each other out and you know keep clean sheets and and let in uh, the as small amount of goals as we as we possibly can
0: no I know uh I know soccer is kind of like your your big deal, but we you know kind of preface this that you're also where the kicker on the football team. They noticed that big boot of yours and it, it has come in handy for both of these teams as it's gone on. Just as a whole in your last four years, what's it been like being that dual sport guy in the same season and kind of having to just bounce off the walls and do whatever you have to do for whoever needs it at the time it's needed?
3: It's, it's been pretty tough at times, but I've really enjoyed it. Um, there have been some times where, you know, I've, I'm playing. Like last year, for example, after we uh, played Troy Adams in the state final, I had to get home and, uh, and, and play Hudsonville in playoffs for football. And, you know, that one especially was tough after losing a state final. Um, but there have been other days where, you know, I come back from a soccer game and go kick for the football team. And also days where I have to miss, you know, a soccer practice and go kick for the, for the football team. And, uh, and this year, unfortunately, I, uh, I missed the football game on Friday because we had the, uh, the the final on, on the next Saturday and I didn't want to get back late and, uh, and be tired on Saturday. It's been a lot of fun. Both coaches, coach Vaughn and coach Grissinger have been, have been great and very understanding and, uh, and helpful. And, uh, Supporting me and playing two sports, so that always helps. It was it was really cool to be to be a part of both teams and uh, two different sets of sets of players and coaches and and two different sports. So it, it was always a lot of fun.
2: I've never really heard of like a two sport athlete um, when it comes to soccer football. I know people have done soccer cross country, but uh, has there any? Do do ever get like do ever people do do people talk badly about soccer? Uh, in football practices, because that's always seemed like what the rivalry is, where people call them field fairies <laughs> um, or something.
3: No, I mean, I mean, there's there's always jokes on both sides. Um, nothing that people you know mean or you know we'll make jokes about how oh soccer has to run so much and football just lifts and all that kind of stuff. But uh, no, there there haven't really been any you know any jokes about that kind of stuff. No.
0: I mean, you say that football just lifts. I mean, obviously, you're one of the bigger kids on the football field. (laughs) Do they ever just make fun of you on the soccer field for being as big as you are? Because you might just look like a football guy. (laughs) yeah,
3: Yeah, sometimes. Not as much from my teammates, but, you know, I get it a lot from, you know, kids on the other team and fans from the other team. And, yeah, I do get that a lot, yeah.
1: Yeah, do they like think that it's the opposite way around that you're a football player who became a soccer player instead of a soccer player who became yeah, a football yeah. player?
3: Yeah, yeah. Or they tell me that I'm playing the wrong sport. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you are built like a linebacker. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've, I've, the football team has
3: has been trying to get me to play, you know, something else besides kicker, but uh,
0: you know. Would well, take it take it as it comes. I'm sure they're happy with what they can get from you. Yeah. Yeah. Boom, booming then, uh,
1: ki- booming kickoffs I mean <laughs> yeah that last game I was yeah. at man you were just booming them all out of the end zone
3: yeah <laughs> that's that's my goal every time um you know it doesn't always go that way sometimes I'll shank one same as in soccer but yeah
0: we we talk about you being a dual sport athlete and Obviously, it being your senior year and you finishing out both these seasons kind of simultaneously. I know I asked you after the game, you know, Saturday, if you'd be doing anything else. And you said you'd be running track, hopefully doing sprints. But what does your athletic future look like in general uh, moving forward? So I, I plan on playing in college. I don't
3: I prefer to play
0: soccer. Um, that is that is my
3: my favorite sport. Um, but I'm also open to playing football, you know, if the, if the right offer comes about. I just have to weigh my options you know on what uh what schools and uh what's on the table so uh that's and unfortunately with with COVID, that kind of put a pause to that mm-hmm. as far as soccer goes on um, this summer because there's been a dead period so uh that's most of that's yet to come but uh i'm I'm open to both um but i' I'll, I'll end up playing something yeah
2: I don't, I don't know if you knew about these rankings before but I think you were fifth at one point and now uh, T C West is fourteenth in the nation on uh Max Preps. Did does that say uh-huh. what does that say about the Traverse City region? I know Novi's up there at number four, so take it for what you will. But um what what's it say that you guys put the put northern Michigan on the map like that?
3: Yeah, you know, that's uh I think that's pretty huge. Um yeah, you're right. I think it was fifth or sixth at one point we were in the nation and uh you know, all of us were just pretty shocked by that because that's that's big that's not something that you think about much the high school soccer national rankings um but it, it definitely you know i'd say between our our two runs to the state final and uh and uh, you know our our high rankings in the country it definitely has put traverse city west on the map as as someone to look out for yeah
0: You kind of mentioned to me after the game Saturday about, uh, you know, Coach Grissinger's career so far, only six years, over 100 wins, you know, two Final Four, Mm -hmm. two Finals appearances, and you kind of got there kind of right towards the start of that, and, you know, growing into this, like you said, seeing as a sixth, seventh, eighth grader, as those guys going to regionals, you've been kind of part of this program since basically when they would bring kids into the program, you know, fifth or sixth grade, and you know, Coach Grissinger has been a part of that. What's it been like to go from start to finish and kind of grow as a Titan?
3: You know, it's it's been great, um, and I have this feeling that, you know, Coach Grissinger will end up being one of the best coaches I've uh, I've ever had. Part of it is is he's younger, and so we, like he he relates to us all very well, um, which was huge. You know, we were always cracking jokes and having fun, and uh, but also he 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 taught me and I know a lot of other guys a lot on the field, you know, playing the game. Um, he taught us a lot about, about the game and, and he really helped help me, especially grow into the, into the player I am now. And it's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have anyone else as my coach. You know, I, I think since freshman year, I've just like these past four years of, of Traverse City West soccer, it's have just been so much fun that like, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously kind of miss him a lot. And, in this program a lot because I've learned so much and and had so much fun.
0: Just to kind of get an idea, what is the most unorthodox lesson that you've learned from Coach G over the last four years?
3: So one, one thing that, that Coach G does is so he, he he connects a lot to like his, his past, like his experiences playing soccer. And so one this year's, he used to play with a player named, uh, named Ben Spees. And, uh, he, uh, this kid, Ben Spees wouldn't, uh, during the games, wouldn't talk to the opponent at all. Even if they were, you know, talking smack to him, he wouldn't say anything. If they hit him, he wouldn't do anything or say anything. He brought, brought that up to us one game after one game and said, you know, for the rest of the year, I want, I want you guys to, to act like Ben Spees and just don't say anything to the opponents. Just nothing. Just talk to your, your teammates, but nothing to them. And, uh, I think that's pretty cool because he sort of just, you know, made up his own rule from from this 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 kid that he played with um, in high school and college.
1: During the the uh, Grand Rapids Union game, you know, the when you're at the football game, they wouldn't let you kind of intermingle with the football team because of the, you know, being on the soccer team. Is that just kind of a they don't want the two teams kind of crossing paths just to kind of minimize? Coronavirus, or was it because that you know, because West yeah. had somebody who had, had it? Because so a football players are back. stinky. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. because at halftime you had to just you were just sitting there on the on the bench at halftime. They wouldn't even let you in the locker room. Yeah,
3: yeah, that was because um, so at that time I was I was me and a, a lot of other of the soccer players decided to go online for school so we wouldn't get have to get quarantined if we were in a class with someone with corona. Um, so I was online and I hadn't been around those football players in a couple of days. And so I, my coaches and, and decided that it would be better if, you know, I, I still stayed away um, just to prevent, you know, any, any possible spreading.
0: I'm sure it was all worth it. And the fact that you got to get back down to Comstock Park for another shot. I know I, I've, I'll just put it in here cause it's the podcast and not as many people listen to this and. It's okay. I I wouldn't disagree that the final penalty in the game was quite questionable, especially from my angle, which was quite close to your mm-hmm. angle. Um, and and I I know that that game was so tight. I, I don't. The, the thing. I I guess this is the last question. Do you get the same feeling that I do that neither one of you guys were able to beat each other, and it it could have gone on for a stalemate for a very long time?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um... You know, both both teams for sure were very nervous, and uh, probably not both of us probably didn't play our best game. Um, and I I think it it was pretty much a stalemate. You know, without those penalty calls, not much else happened. And I think by the end of the game, we both teams you know were are tired, also not really used to, to playing in the heat. Um, um, so we we're we we're all pretty tired, and I think it it very well could have gone on to you know penalty kicks if if that. That last penalty had not been called.
0: I know it's crazy that we're talking about playing in the heat in November, right? Yeah. It's 72 yeah. right now. But, but real uh-huh. quick, you would take yeah. that over a snow snow-ridden final any day, right, Finn? You know, if I'm
3: going to be completely honest, I would rather play in the cold.
2: Oh, Sporting man. KC, uh-huh. Utah. Hot take. Yeah. Hot take. Did you see that? Yeah. There was a there was a MLS game. I think it was Sunday. No, it's Saturday. Sport. Sporting KC literally played Utah in two feet two inches of snow.
3: Yeah. You know, maybe maybe not that. But or just a little I, I bit like colder. When it's,
2: uh,
3: I like when it's cold and, you know, I have to wear gloves. Just something about it, you know, just reminds me of high school soccer. You know, for me I don't get I don't sweat as much, so I'm not I'm not as tired at the end of the game. I just you know, I just like it more.
0: Well, yeah. we hope we hope here at the Record Eagle to see you in more than just high school soccer. Please let us know if anything comes up and what your next move is. But we really appreciate you taking some time out of your day today and some time out of what is now basically the winter since it's going to go down in the weather and chatting with us here at the Get Around. So Finn, once again, thank you, thank you, thank you, and congrats on a great season both with the Titans football team and the Titans soccer team. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Another huge thank you to Finn for joining us here at the Get Around. Congratulations to the Traverse City West Titans on another great run out to the state finals. That soccer team has done some pretty big things over the last couple of years. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's freak, yeah. Let's dive right into the chatter that matters, gentlemen. And I just have one not-so-simple question, but we're going to try and keep this, keep it as simple as possible. It obviously can't be a yes or no. But, I have to ask, COVID has been spiking, schools have been shutting down, fall sports are coming to an end, but do we see winter sports going off as scheduled as the MHSAA has prescribed? Yes, no, and why? James?
1: I think yes. The MHSAA seems pretty determined to do this, and the the good news is is that even though the number of coronavirus cases are increasing, that... They really haven't been linked to school activities. There's or, been there's been kids in school that have tested positive, but they, you know, the contact tracing, you know, almost all the time, it's they're getting it from somewhere else outside the school and bringing it in. So there's at least that bit of good news. And then there's also the good news that we had today with, you know, Pfizer saying that they think they have a vaccine that's 90% effective. So those two things, I think, I think yes. And, and the fact that the MHSA just seems
2: hell bent on doing it. I'm going to go with James here and add that as much as the state has advised against contact sports from the start, in state law, in state writing, I mean, it's still allowed. I don't think the MHSA is going to arbitrarily make their own decisions and say, even though it's allowed, we're not going to host a season. I think, if anything, they'd go the opposite route, as we've seen in the case of Illinois, who's completely ignoring the governor's recommendations and saying, you're playing, you're playing basketball this winter because we said so.
0: I, I wouldn't disagree. I, I mean, <laughs> it's got to be so hard for the MHS. This is the same thing that kind of like what you said. They seem very steadfast or like you said, like there's nothing the state's stopping them from doing it. I think a combination of the two, which is like just speaking, especially with administrators and coaches, the what happened during the spring season and really the winter season last year, basketball got cut off at districts. Not even a single pitch was made in any sport on the baseball field or softball field. Nothing was done during the spring. Not even just hell-bent. I think that schools, coaches, parents, athletes, the MHSAA, all feel that it is absolutely necessary that it goes on just as planned. Will it? I'm still not sure. I don't know if I'm keeping this trend because I was so pessimistic on this podcast about our fall sports season happening, and it happened anyways, and I was happy crow after speaking over and over again. But I guess I would like to be one of those people that doesn't get their hopes up. Because I still see serious issues with the prospects of wrestling with masks. Or even, honestly, I you know, we've talked about all these fall sports. Basketball with masks just seems like it can be a, a seriously hard thing to do. Yeah, there's going to have to be some kind of change. I'm not sure how it's going to happen. I know that they are going to do everything in their power to make it happen. So I'm going to put my vote on yes. It does happen on time as scheduled. And the same reason why I said the fall season hasn't been taken off or derailed by coronavirus is because the protocols are already in place. The GoFan ticketing has already happened. The limited capacity has already been a thing for five months. The only thing that makes a difference is the kids in the sport playing a different game. They're going to do their best. They're going to do whatever they can to keep it on.
1: Mm-hmm. And they've been able to play one sport inside as well in volleyball. Now, volleyball, obviously, not as much of a contact sport nearly as much as basketball or wrestling but at least schools i think have the protocols down for hosting events in their facility
0: so do i i mean you even see some schools getting a little bit of concessions back running so who knows we could be on the upswing in the minds of the school boards nonetheless it should be exciting to see we have one more i always say this as if it's the last one But we have one more rendition of the Hall of Fame coming up. This one, special as always. We have some fantastic performances to tell you guys about from this weekend. We did not bring them up in the Pulse because we figured, why not tell you about them here in the Hall of Fame? We had a big weekend from our cross-country teams down at MIS, at Michigan International Speedway, for the cross-country state finals. Had St. Francis boys team taking third place, their highest finish ever. The Traverse City Central taking a couple of top ten finishes between the boys and the girls. And we saw three different individual state title winners across a few different divisions this weekend. If I didn't give it away, I believe those are going to be our three Hall of Fame nominees. I'll drop mine in there and go with Benzie Central sophomore Hunter Jones. Even though he has already been put into the Hall of Fame, already is a part of it. We kind of have this statute here to get around that when you get state champion, you get into the Hall of Fame. Hunter Jones, Division Three State Champ for boys, back-to-back years at 1535. We know he was trying to get 115 like he did at the Pete Moss invite earlier this season. But nonetheless, he blew the competition away. Congratulations, Hunter. You're my guy to put into the Hall of Fame. Andrew, who do you got this week?
2: I'm going to take uh, McKenna Scott from Glen Lake. Uh, when I talked to her after the race, she was just like, I didn't even know I was going to win it. You know, a guy like Hunter, ranked number one in the state, running under 15 minutes a couple times this season, you probably think, oh, yeah, I might have a shot at a state title this year, This year, if not win it by at least 20 seconds. But McKenna, it was a really close race, and she she powered through it. It was really hot, and she was like, you know, I, I'm going to stay up. I'm going to power push through it and race, and that's how she did it. And then we've got Emma Squires from
1: Petoskey. She won the Division Two girls' state title uh, by over 20 seconds. Uh, like 24 seconds over the second-place finisher. And led led the Northmen to the overall state champion as a team, too. Um, along with, uh, you know, they had good finishes by Cambry Smith, Noel Vandewald, Sarah Liederbach, Caroline Farley. I mean, they, they put five in the top 22.
0: That's going to win you a state title. <laughs> so congratulations to not only Emma, Hunter, and... McKenna, but also to the Petoskey Northman girls team for winning state titles this past weekend down at MIS. We kind of talked about it a bit earlier, but cross country has always been a good thing for us up north. Mm-hmm. Thank you for representing down south.
1: And, and do you see what Glen Lake did this morning? Glen Lake, uh, they, gave, they gave McKenna Scott an escort to school Oh, this morning, I thought you were about to say like, instead key to of the city. instead of how they escort you know like the team back into town or whatever they had like fire trucks and ambulances and all that stuff like that and they gave her an escort to school this morning.
0: Oh, well, that's exciting. That's a better. That, that that's more exciting than getting into the kid around Hall of Fame, unfortunately. So, congratulations, McKenna. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> that segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Let's dive into our last segment, gentlemen. And we'll, we're not going to get to too long into this but i'm just gonna give you a little bit of background i don't know if it was the whole trump team but donald trump tweeted out press conference 11:30 at four seasons total landscaping in philadelphia this morning and i think no ju- he
2: he started off by tweeting out it's
0: at four seasons I, I, four seasons landscaping and this is the thing is that i swear to god i think i saw the tweet maybe before it got switched but it didn't look any different after the fact <laughs> he said we're at the four seasons and when you look at it real quick you go four seasons hotel you know i was never gonna be there Mm -hmm. it's like oh they're at the four seasons hotel never thought once again about it till the day after when i literally saw that they were basically at an abandoned building with (laughs) trash and doors that were busted in without doors on hinges and they just taped a bunch of trump election signs to a green garage door
2: the assumption is they meant to do it at the four seasons hotel and either it said no or they didn't realize that they called the four season landscaping. And then they were like
0: – I think it was just too late for them to make the switch. And they just went with it. I think <laughs> it was just too late. But nonetheless whatever, – Whatever it was, it was funny. Funny as all hell, and I'll put it that you way. Could, you could when you, you see make Rudy, your own funny – When you look at it – I'm sorry. It doesn't even matter what happened. When Rudy, I, I, the best, What's really funny about it is that even me, they did a good job of disguising wherever the hell they were. Because <laughs> I saw the Rudy Giuliani press conference, and I was just like, whatever. And then I look back and I see it with a zoomed out photo, and I'm like, "Oh
1: my god!" <laughs> so there was, there was a photo on uh, on Twitter making the rounds that it was uh, Giuliani doing a uh, press conference from the Ritz, <laughs> and it was in the uh, cracker aisle at Walmart. Oh lord! At the <laughs> Ritz. Up now, up now the this
0: prompted Andrew to bring up our trifecta for today. Where would your press conference be for the biggest news you could announce? It's a, it's, a, it's a it's a weird one. I can imagine a lot of our high school athletes have thought about this. I know most of the time it's in their, like, athletic complex gym when they make their signing day. But, you know, when you're, like, number one in the country or whatever, you might, like, be able to do something like that and have, like, your national signing day for a press conference. At a McDonald's. Whatever it might be. (laughs) That's yours? No. that was was yours? You brought up the question. Where's your preferred press conference
2: arena? I went back and forth with one of my old uh, professors from KU on this. And I'm going to go with... The lobby of Apt Electronics in uh, uh, Glenview, Illinois. Okay, so no one from Northern Michigan will understand what Apt Electronics is, but it's like this. That's not a good way to preface it. Exactly. <laughs> That's where I'm having my press conference. Anyways, but if you go on, if you go on my Twitter app, by Andrew R, they have the they have a musical fountain in the lobby, where and like all this crazy stuff around. It's like an Apple store on steroids with what they sell there. Um, it, it it's just a normal appliance store, but it's like a it's like a fair of all this crazy stuff going around with high tech stuff in their lobby. And one of the things is this musical fountain. And I would love to have that in my backdrop of when I announce where I'm going to commit. I have a photo of it on uh, FByAndrewR on Twitter. You made, you made me think about that. This is not my answer,
0: but maybe like the bean in Chicago, just like being right underneath it. It's like they just like a really weird reflection of you as you do whatever you're doing.
2: There's so many people that propose there, though. And but it's, I, I, it's, so, so, it's so cliche. You made me think
0: about this and. If I was going to do a crazy press conference for whatever I was going to announce, like when I announced that I'm going to be like going to Mars as the first man or I shot a 76 somewhere on a golf course and I have to have a press conference for it, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up in one of those fun house mirror rooms where there's just mirrors on all sides in different directions. So where I stand, no matter who you are or what camera you have or whatever, it's like an endless boundless room.
1: And they can't get away from you,
0: right? And if you take a picture, like imagine this: if you're in like a room full full of mirrors, and you take a flash picture, the picture will never be taken. <laughs> just be a flash. I don't know.
1: Never-ending flash.
0: Yeah, mirror. <laughs> I wish I was the never-ending flash.
2: So, do you have a particular mirror? No, room, no, just like no. That...
0: It'd just be like one of those mirror mazes that, like, every angle you look at, there's a mirror. So, if like there the was...
1: carnival ones where it, like distorts. No, no, sure it like, wouldn't be all, no, like that wavy. No, it would Skitty, just be, really like, all budget. the, like, different angles of mirrors. So, like, it's all,
0: yeah. What about you?
1: I'd probably just do it from, like, the beer room in my house or something.
0: <laughs> You've got a lot of cool stuff in there.
2: Yeah. Do the, kind of
1: a I could, of hold memory.
0: on, I could just, I, <laughs> I could imagine the press conference where it would be, like, Okay, like you're like the dude in the middle of like a national emergency where you have to stay on the air and you don't know quite what to say, so you just turn around and you start like pulling things off your wall and explaining them on camera to what, what these are.
2: Well, this is where I was. This is a garage sale that I got it at. The world ending, but I got this at a garage sale a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm.
0: This is this is this is a vintage Y-wing second series. It's missing the R two D two, but it has the bullet holes in the side.
2: Yeah. Okay, I just thought There's about this. Eighteen van.
0: This is too far. This is too long.
2: I, I just, bonus, <laughs> bonus place. I thought about this place. You know when you're on the way to on to Crystal Mountain and you have to drive through, uh, like, Thompsonville, where there's nothing there but a stoplight? Coatmish Road? I think it is. The, the gun store? No, there's the, um... <laughs> Are you talking about that little town with the, the stop Beast, sign? I'm talking about the beef jerky store.
1: Oh, Mikowski's
2: Yeah.
0: Do it at Mikowski's <sighs> Yeah, it's in Carlin. So that is going to do it for episode <laughs> 149. We are going to be off next week in preparation for episode 150. It's going to be a big one. We're going to have a couple of guests, a lot of fun things to do the week of Thanksgiving. So make sure you turn in in two weeks to join us back here for episode 150 of The Get Around. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Jake Atnip, at JamesCook14, at ByAndrewR, and, of course, our main page at TCRE Sports. We love you. Thank you. We'll see you for 150 in two weeks.